Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. Remember this, you bring life where there is none. You can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27. That, that's where we're going to be this morning as we continue to explore the life of Jacob. Jacob, this patriarch of the Old Testament, the, the grandson of Abraham, the man who, whom God decided to make a covenant with to rescue humanity, the family line that God himself would identify with. And in scripture, God will speak of himself and he will say, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And God will identify himself with Jacob. That he doesn't just say I'm the God of Abraham and his kids and his kids' kids, but he will mention Jacob by name when he talks about who he is. That's a pretty big deal. That, that for God to, to single out this person and say, I am the God of this person. And yet, as we began to look at his life last week, we saw a couple of, we looked at a couple of things from stories from the beginning of his life. His, his sort of his, his time in the womb and then the first story of his, his time out. He was pretty much conceived into conflict with his brother Esau. And we saw that they, that they fought even in the womb. And scripture will, will say that, that, that they fought so hard inside the womb that it was crushing his mom that Rebecca was being crushed on the inside because of these two boys fighting. And we saw that, that right from their birth, when, when Jacob came out clutching Esau's heel, that they just continued this sibling rivalry, and it continued all their lives as they, all their lives, uh, as they grew up. They continued in this sibling rivalry even to where it, they pulled their mom and their dad into it, where, where we would read in Scripture that, that, that mom loved Jacob, but dad loved Esau. And we're going to talk more about that today because that really frames what we're going to look at this morning. And then essentially we looked at the first real story of Jacob's life where, where he's a fully developed and formed person. And... It's essentially a story of Jacob taking advantage of his brother and essentially tricking or manipulating or exploiting, whatever the right word that you want to use for that is, his brother tricking or exploiting his brother Esau, who was just really hungry. He'd been working hard all day and came in and Jacob had made some food and, and he said, would you give me some of that food? And, and Jacob says to his brother, well, it's going to cost you your birthright. I'll give you some food, but it's going to cost you your birthright in exchange for some of this red stew. Not exactly a patriarchal moment. Not exactly the kind of moment that we in our lives would want to be remembered for all of eternity, for you know, encapsulated in, in the book of the Lord, the, that this story of, of just a difficult 
moment in our lives, not the most man of God kind of moment. And it's about to go downhill from there. Friends, if you can believe it, it's about to get a whole lot worse than that. Jacob does not have the best introduction. The beginning of his life is not the most awe-inspiring kind of situation in his life. We don't get the greatest stories right out of the gate. Now, last week we, we were in Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to skip over Genesis chapter 26 this week because Jacob really isn't involved much in that chapter. But we're going to move on to Genesis chapter 27. And, and just like last week when, when we talked about how there was this jump in time where, where all we know is that Scripture will say the boys grew up, but we don't really know how long that is. We can make some guesses and things, but we don't really know. Um, the same thing is going to take place here. That, that we take a jump forward in time from Genesis chapter 25, and we, we don't really have much recorded about Jacob, and then Genesis chapter 27 will begin, and it's sort of just another jump forward in space. What we do know is that Isaac, Jacob and Esau's dad, is getting old. Um, he's pretty much gone blind. He can't really see at all, and he knows that his life is coming to a close. He knows that things are starting to wind down. And so he thinks that now is the time to pass along the blessings to his son. And so we read in verse 1, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, I am here. Then he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt some game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat it, that my soul would bless you before I die. Isaac says to his oldest son Esau to go, go catch him some food out, into his, out in the field and, and make him his favorite dinner, make me my favorite meal, Last week, we, we talked about how one of the reasons why that, that Isaac loved Esau so much was because Esau was a talented and good cook. And he says, go make me this meal, and we'll eat it together, and, and I will bless you so that I can be sure that this is taken care of before I die. Now, what we don't know as readers of, of the Bible is, is, is we're given kind of an omniscient view as we read this story, where we know what's happened in, kind of, in Isaac's life, and Jacob's life, and Esau's life, but we don't know how much they know about what's taken place in each other's lives. We don't know if, if Rebecca ever told Isaac that the Lord had told him that, that Esau was going to serve Jacob. We don't have recorded in Scripture a moment where Rebecca says to Isaac, I need to tell you what the Lord said to me. We don't know if she did, and, and we don't know if, if she didn't. And we don't know if, if Isaac ever found out about Esau selling his birthright to Jacob for some stew. We don't know if that conversation ever took place, or, or if Jacob wanted to keep it hidden from his dad, and Esau was too ashamed to tell his dad. We, we don't know what's going on here. We don't know the interpersonal dynamics that are going on here. I guess that's a better way to say it. 
But we can see here that Isaac plans on passing on the covenant blessing that God had made with his father Abraham to his son Esau. Now, everything inside of this family is just about, in the next verses, to become so convoluted and twisted. And we're just going to read through this next 12 verses to see what is about to happen. Verse 5 says, Now, Rebekah was listening. Rebekah is Jacob and Isaac's mom. Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went out into the field to, to hunt some or to hunt game and, and bring it to his father. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make some savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, this is, this is mom talking to son, Rebekah talking to Jacob. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of, or kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it and, be, and, and, and that he may bless you before his death. Jacob said to, to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. We talked about that last week. His name means red hairy man. But, but he's a hairy man, and I'm smooth-skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me, and, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Mom, what happens if dad finds out? But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice. Go get them for me. And he went out and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food, such as his father loved. Then, then Rebekah took the, the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. She's now dressing him up like Esau. And she put the skins of the kids of the goat on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. I love that, that depiction of the story because it gives you a, a picture of just how hairy Esau was. It, it wasn't just like, oh, he's kind of a hairy fella. His neck felt like goat's hair. His arms felt like, like he was a hairy guy. Um, and then verse 17. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. Last week, we talked about how Rebekah loved Jacob more than Esau. And here we see this play itself out. So we have Jacob and Rebekah. We're going to just run through the family here really quick to see just how messed up and weird this all is. We've got Jack, Jacob and Rebekah planning on deceiving their blind husband and father to make sure that Jacob gets the blessing over their other son or over their other son or their brother Esau while Esau is out hunting for his father and so at times it can be tempting to look at this and and see Esau as this sympathetic figure in all of this that like he's having his birthright stolen right out from underneath him 
because all of this planning and scheming by his mom and his brother is to steal something that was rightfully his. Except that it kind of wasn't anymore. Last week we saw that he had sworn his birthright, which included this blessing to Jacob. Now, you can look and, and say, yeah, but, but it was an unfair trade. It was a bad deal. But he still made the deal. Esau was receiving this blessing because he was the oldest. It was the right of his birth to receive it, and he had promised his birthright to his brother. So in a way, Esau not saying to his dad, actually, dad, See, what happened was, you might want to talk to Jacob about all of this. Was Esau going back on his word and his promise to his brother? And in a way, perhaps at least on the surface, trying to steal back his blessing. That he got his stew and ate it too. And he, he wants to be able to, to, I got my red stew and I'm going to get the blessing. <laughs> it's all coming up Esau. That he, he's figured it out. He can get both. And even Isaac, while we don't know for sure, may have been guilty in all of this because we don't even know what Rebecca told him, that Rebecca told him anything, and we don't know if Esau and Jacob ever told him anything. But if they did, He's seemingly trying to circumvent the things that have gone on and pass the blessing on to his favorite son because we read that last week that Esau was, Jay, or was Isaac's favorite son. And so we can see even in this, even here, that if Isaac knew something, he's still trying to trap and, and, and pass this on to his favorite son over the son whom God said wouldn't get the blessing, the son who with integrity or not had received the birthright from his brother. Friends, this is a mess. The, the, this is not the family or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the, this is not what we think of when we think about the, the family that God chose to attach himself to. This is everybody is lying and deceiving everybody. Nobody's hands are clean. And sometimes when, we, when people will talk about this story, they'll, they'll try to justify Jacob because, because Jacob is, is the guy who's named. But it's all bad. Everybody's bad. It's all, everybody's making a mess of this. And so what we have is Rebecca overhearing that Isaac is going to give his, this blessing to Esau, the son she didn't like so much, over Jacob that she likes a whole lot more. So she jumps into high gear and seemingly, seemingly has had this prepared. You know how sometimes you have a conversation with somebody and, and, and you think you're, you're, you're sharing some news with them and, and they just seem overly prepared with an answer? That, that's the, the, the feeling you get here, that, that Rebecca had been thinking about this for a while. Because as soon as she gets, as soon as she hears what's going on, she springs into action. And immediately it's like, hey, I need you to go do this, go do this, go do this. I'm going to do this, da, 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 da. I've got it all figured out. Oh, don't worry. We're going to cover your neck. We're going to cover your arms. It's going to be great. I'm going to get his best clothes so you'll smell like him. It'll be great. It'll, we'll fool dad. It'll be no problem. 
And so Jacob gets all dressed up in Esau's, Esau's clothes and, and puts the goat skin on his arms and his neck and so he would smell and feel like Esau. And she makes Isaac his favorite food and Jacob brings it to him. And then, then what happens? We're going to read another couple of verses here from verse 18 to verse 26 where it says, so, so he, Jacob, went to his father and said, my father. And, and he, Isaac, said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Right away, the, the plan is, is starting to get a little cracks in it. Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Whew. There's a lot of lies in that statement. <laughs> Crammed into one verse. There's a lot of lying going on. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly? My son, and, and he, Jacob says, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. This is just getting worse. That now he's saying, oh, I, I, I was able to get this food for you so quickly because God helped me. Oh. Verse 21, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Dad's still not convinced, and he knows there's one way to tell Esau apart from everybody else because there's only one kid who feels like a goat. So Jacob went nearer to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. You may sound like Jacob, but ain't nobody's hands feel like that. Ain't nobody that hairy. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? One last chance to come clean. And Jacob says, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. He brought it near to him and he, he ate it and, and brought him wine and he drank it. Then his father said to Isaac, come near now and kiss me, my son. And then Isaac goes on to bless Jacob. Jacob, out and out, outright, no confusion, no, no fake justifications. There's nothing we can do. Jacob deceives his father. He invokes the name of God to further his deception. He lies to him over and over again. There, there's at least three, and depending on how you want to count it, a lot more, but three instances where he directly lies just in this conversation between Isaac and Jacob, and then he goes on so far as to seal the deal with a kiss. This is a dark moment in this story. This is, this is like, 
the nadir of like badness. This, this is not good. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks is we look at the story of this man, this patriarch, that although on some level he, he got exactly what he wanted, by hook or by crook, Jacob gets the blessing. And we're going to read that in a minute. He gets the blessing from his dad. He got exactly what was coming to him. But it doesn't exactly turn out to be the life that I'm sure he or his mom envisioned. When Esau returns home and discovers what's happened, he's furious. He wants to kill his little brother. If you jump down to verse 41, that's where we see what happens when Esau comes back and his reaction to discovering that his father has no blessings for him. That what happens is Esau comes home and he says, Dad, I'm back. And, 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 and Isaac says, well, who did I just bless? And, and Esau says, well, do you have any blessings left for me? Did you save anything in the tank for me? And, and Isaac says to Esau, I'm sorry. And he says essentially to him, you are going to serve your little brother who stole your birthright. Then in verse 41, it sums it up like this. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He doesn't want to do it while dad's still alive. And he says, as long as dad's alive and we'll pass through the, this phase of mourning. But then he's as good as dead. And so what's going to happen to Jacob is he's going to have to leave the promised land, the land promised to his grandfather, the land where God said, this is the covenant land. He's going to have to leave that land for fear of his life. He's going to have to be gone from this land for over 20 years, and he's going to have to live in poverty, essentially, for these 20 years. He is going to be repeatedly lied to and manipulated by his uncle, his life is a mess. He may have received the blessing, but he was not blessed. And the point is this for us this morning. That the ends don't justify the means. That, that, Abra or Abraham, that Jacob wanted to be blessed. He wanted that blessing. And God had even said to his mom, he's going to, to rule over his brother. He's going to be the more significant one. He is going to carry the mantle of the family. But instead of trusting God, instead of saying, well, I'm going to just place all my trust in God and watch him work, Abraham and his mom, we're going to have to make this happen. Now, it can be a temptation to say, yeah, but it all works out in the end. That if we read through the story of Jacob, what we're going to discover is that actually he does become a pretty good man of God. And so ultimately, if you look at the end, okay, maybe this wasn't the best way to go about it, but really he gets there. And, and it's true, God does work it out in the end. But had not Jacob and Rebekah done this, God still would have worked it out in the end. And I would assert to you that if, we, if they had placed their trust in God and allowed him to work, its, work his 
plan and his, his destiny for these boys out, there would have been a lot less strife and hardship and lying along the way. That had they placed their trust in God and said, God has promised these things and, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to trust God. We're going to allow God to work through this. We would have come to the same place that they get, but the journey would have been a whole lot different. And so what we're seeing here in this passage is, is God's sovereignty on display but also man's responsibility. And, and there's a term that people use who study the Bible that call this, it's called compatibilism. And what compatibilism is, is it's that everything that God decrees will come to pass. And that man is incapable of thwarting the decrees of God, but while at the same time man bears total responsibility for the choices he makes or doesn't make. And that's an entire sermon unto itself. So we'll leave that for now. But that's, that's what we need to learn from this. This is a picture, a lesson of God's grace and God's sovereignty. What we're seeing here is that God's will is fulfilled in spite of men. In spite of everything that's going on. You know, oftentimes we, we think that God's will can't come to pass unless we do something to help him out. That, that if, if, if God's going to do something, then I really got to do something, and then just at the end, I'll give the credit to God. But really, if God's going to do this, he really needs my help in order to make this happen. But our text is showing us something entirely different. It's, it's showing us that our God is sovereign, that he is all-powerful and all-knowing, and that he will bring about what he's promised to do. And so in verse 27, Isaac blesses Jacob, and he says this to him. And he came near, so, so Jacob comes near to Isaac and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing. Isaac smells Jacob. And he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. And so in the face of all of Rebekah's and Jacob's scheming and sinning and, and lying and in the face of Isaac's desire to pass along his blessing to Esau and Esau's desire to receive it even though he'd give it away. In the face of everybody trying to make the situation be what they want it to be, God's sovereignty triumphs. And this leads us to the picture, the second picture of God in this story, God's grace. We see God's grace here. Because is there any way that Jacob deserved this covenant blessing? No. Not based on the information we've been given. So, so why did Jacob get it? Because he was God's choice. He didn't earn it. As best as we can tell, and with all the information we're given from Scripture on the life of Jacob... There is not a story from his life up until this point that even points us a little 
to the idea that he deserved it. We don't read anything redeeming about Jacob up until this point. There's not a piece of his story where we go, well, I guess when he lied to his dad, it wasn't that bad. No, every, every step along the way, he, he, he manipulates and, 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 and takes advantage of his brother. He lies to his dad. He says that it's God's fault, that God brought him. It's, it's this huge mess. He didn't earn it, and he didn't deserve it. But before he was born, God said that he would be the one to receive the blessing. So Jacob gets the blessing. It's not that Jacob was righteous or better or more deserving. It's that for some reason, God willed that Jacob would be the one brought into the covenant relationship with him. In Malachi chapter 1, God says this about Jacob and Esau. He says, I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau. God set his love on Jacob, and that love is what eventually transforms him into a man of God. As, as we move through the story, what we see is God doesn't give up on Jacob. This isn't like the breaking point where we move on to, to one of their kids. But this story continues and continues, and, and God is going to continue with Jacob. So we could say that it was the blessing of God's sovereign love that made the difference in Jacob's life. That God loved Jacob. And it's the blessing of God's love on, on you and me that makes us acceptable in his sight. See, we're just like Jacob. There, there's not a part of our story that allows us to be able to stand on and say, well, see, in this way, I kind of earned it. And in this way, God, you do kind of owe me. And in this way, God, I think I got there. It's not that. It's the opposite of that. We are just like Jacob. The story of our lives is the lives of someone who deserves no blessing. And yet, we serve a God who's willing to bless us. Last week, I closed with just the reading of a verse and, and this week, I, I want to do the same. I want to read you just two, two quick verses. 1 John 4.10 says, This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then just a little further in 1 John, it says this, we love him because he first loved us. All you could see was darkness. Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. 
We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go. The shadow of our old ways But when you said it is finished There was light when the stone rolled away There was light when the stone rolled away Now we see streams in the desert Rivers in the wasteland Out of the dust you make us new Things new, all things new, you make all.